Welcome to the Celebration Church podcast and thanks so much for tuning in. Celebration Church is one church in 10 locations across Southeast Louisiana. We are all about changing lives, homes, our city, and the world through Jesus Christ. We hope that you're both encouraged and challenged by today's message. Welcome as we continue our Written in Stone message series. And today we're going to be talking about God's Eighth Commandment, His Prohibition Against Stealing. You know, my wife and I, we really enjoy watching heist movies. Uh, Movies like Ocean's Eleven and Twelve and Thirteen. I don't know about Ocean's Eight, maybe. Uh, But movies like Inside Man, The Italian Job, they're upbeat. The characters are likable. uh, And they're fairly moral people, despite the fact that they are career criminals. And they perform these really witty heists. And uh, on more than one occasion, my wife has said, you know, if I wasn't in ministry, I think I'd want to be a master thief. I just don't see that working out well for my wife and I. And there are a couple of problems with that statement. Number one, you don't just go to your guidance counselor in high school or go down to the local community college and sign up for the career criminal track. But there's another thing. Your associates aren't usually as honorable or likable as people like George Clooney and Brad Pitt and the characters they play. A third thing, there's this pesky little commandment in the Bible that has to do with stealing. And it's in Exodus chapter 20, verse 15, where the Lord says, you must not steal. Now, have you ever had anything taken from you? Have you ever had something stolen? How did, how did that make you feel? I can remember the neighborhood we lived in uh, several years ago. We came home and we, uh, we had bikes for our kids, a little Razor scooter under our carport. Come home one day, they're just gone Somebody decided to help themselves, these little kids' bikes and razor scooters. Man, it made me mad. It made me frustrated. It caused me to feel violated, you know? That's a a term we tend to use. And the reality is that there are a lot of people out there in our world who will just take whatever you got. They are thieves. They will help themselves to that. Now, when you think about these Ten Commandments, they're all about honoring the Lord. They're all about honoring the Lord, but also honoring people. The first commandments, they're they're about worshiping the Lord first, have no other idols, honor the Lord's name, honor the Sabbath. It's all about honoring the Lord. But, But as we've talked lately about honoring your parents, don't commit murder, don't commit adultery. And today, don't steal. It's about honoring people as well. You see, God has made humankind in his own image And when we steal from them, it violates them. It violates the sanctity in which God had created them. It violates their personhood. And as we look at these Ten Commandments, we recognize that a lot of it ties back to the the fact that we are made in the image of God. Stealing violates people. It violates that image. And the reality is that stealing is probably a lot more common than we readily give notice to. And so we want to explore this. We want to ask this question, in what ways do people steal? And what can we do to keep ourselves from stealing from people and from God? Tonight, today, we're going to talk about several things. Keeping the Eighth Commandment involves. Keeping the Eighth Commandment involves, number one, acknowledging practices of dishonesty. The reality is we actually steal in a lot of ways we don't even recognize or fully understand. Let me give you some examples. Acknowledging practices of 
dishonesty. One practice is simple stealing. And this is where it's cut and dry, black and white, burglary, holdups, car thefts, shoplifting, you name it. There's a lot of this in our world. There's a lot of crime in our world. There are neighborhoods in New Orleans where we live where it just feels unsafe. Neighborhoods that that should feel safe that don't sometimes. Carjackings, all, all sorts of things. Louisiana is fifth in the nation in robbery, second in larcenies, third in burglaries, and 19th in auto thefts in our nation 27 million americans shoplift annually and it's usually at the mall i I just made that up but the reality is that stealing is a part of the world in which we live and simple stealing plays a big role but that's not where stealing ends there's also something we want to call sophisticated stealing these are these are ways we can steal under the radar these are subtle ways of stealing one manner of sophisticated stealing is deceiving customers or suppliers. I know someone who said, I know a doctor who will not operate unless it is absolutely necessary, unless he absolutely needs the money. There's a, a, a almost a defrauding of the customer that takes place there. You've probably had anxiety about taking your car to the shop, thinking they were going to give you some list of things wrong with it that you couldn't validate or verify, thinking they were taking you to the cleaners. And certainly there is some of that in our world and in our time. It's a sophisticated stealing. It is a subtle stealing. They may not be holding you up at gunpoint, but they are taking what's rightfully yours through manipulation. Another way of doing this is by defrauding employers or employees. We talked just a minute ago about how employers can defraud the public, their clientele, by jacking up the price or something. But actually, we can do this to our employers as well by stealing time. I worked a warehouse job where we would line up at the time clock about five minutes before quitting time. That means five minutes a day, we were on the clock just waiting to punch the clock. You look at that, you think, oh, that's not big, that's not bad, but a little bit can add up over time. We do this when we make personal purchases with company resources. We do this when we utilize work time for personal errands or pursuits or hobbies. Uh, Defrauding employers or employees is stealing nonetheless, even though it's subtle. Another way of sophisticated stealing is defaulting on loans. One of my favorite shows out there is The Office, and one of the characters, uh, Michael Scott, he had fallen on hard times, and a friend recommended that he declare bankruptcy. And so he walked out into the office, and he yelled, I declare bankruptcy! And that's not how declaring bankruptcy works, right? But a lot of folks use the declaration of bankruptcy to get them out of the consequences of uncontrolled spending. And can I just tell you, when we rack up debt on our credit cards, with student loans, with a home loan, and we don't pay it back, that is, in essence, stealing. Paul exhorted the Romans to pay to all what is owed to them. That is a subtle stealing. It is a sophisticated stealing. Another way we steal is by defrauding the government. Cheating on your taxes, right? Maybe not maybe not mentioning all of your taxable income. That's defrauding. That is stealing. 
Paul told the Romans, give to everyone what you owe them, pay your taxes and government fees to those who collect them, and give respect and honor to those who are in authority. Another way that we subtly steal, that another way that we, we steal is by dishonesty on tests. Cheating, right? Paul told the Colossians, whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. Now, when I was going to school, everybody cheated on some test. At some point, the temptation was so great. The opportunity was out there. And you may look at that and you think, that's simple. Everybody does this. In fact, I bet many of you are thinking, wait, everybody does this stuff. Everybody cheats on their taxes or declares bankruptcy or or steals some work time to do personal stuff. Everybody is dishonest on tests. And how, how can you nitpick? This is what everyone does. And, and can we talk about this for just a moment? I want to separate in our world, in our minds, the difference between what is normal and what is normative, Okay. Because everyone does something, you call it normal. But just because everyone does something does not make it right. And something happens when we ask Jesus to be the Lord of our lives. What we're saying is, I'm no longer my own master. I'm making you my master, Jesus. And Jesus is a good master. That's a good decision. But when Jesus becomes our master, he calls us out. He calls us away from what's normal and brings us to a standard that is normative. That's what God was doing in these Ten Commandments. It's not that this is where all of society was. In fact, hardly any of society was here. The reason you make a commandment is because people are already doing it, right? But God was calling his people away from normal and too normative. I believe Jesus is exhorting us today to leave behind what is normal, the the casual defrauding, the sophisticated and subtle stealing, the cheating that happens, to leave what's normal and move towards what's normative. So we've talked about simple stealing. We've talked about sophisticated stealing, which it hurts a little bit, but let's, let's get into some more pain here. Another way we steal is through spiritual stealing. Spiritual stealing. And guys, this is going to be hard, but remember, Jesus calls us from what's normal to what's normative. He calls us from what's natural to what's supernatural. So let's get into some ways that we can actually commit spiritual stealing. This type of stealing can include gossiping about and slandering others. <laughs> you may be thinking, what's gossip got to do with stealing? Well, when you gossip about someone, when you slander them to another person, you are in essence stealing their reputation. You are in essence stealing their good standing with those people. You're stealing the opportunity for good relationship. You're stealing the opportunity for trust. And I know it, nobody's going to find out it was you who said that. It's okay to tell little white lies nobody's gonna know but someone's going to feel the brunt someone's going to feel the impact and at the end of the day you're defiling a person made in the image of God that's what this is all about honoring the Lord honoring the people he has created Proverbs reminds us slandering others makes you a fool. It also reminds us gossip goes around telling secrets. And if you've been on one end of that, you've been on both ends of that. Can I just tell you, anyone who will gossip with you will certainly gossip about you. 
It's time to leave gossiping about and slandering others. Another type of spiritual stealing is withholding our tithes from the Lord. Now, when we read the whole of Scripture, we recognize that God is the creator. The universe and everything in it belongs to him. You know what that means? It means you and I, we belong to the Lord. That means the things that belong to us ultimately belong to the Lord. And what he has instituted is a faith practice where we give 10% of our income to him. It's not because he needs it and is looking to live like a fat cat up in heaven, but it's a demonstration of our faith and trust in him. It's as much for our benefit as anyone else's benefit. The Bible says that when we withhold that 10%, we're actually committing robbery. We're robbing God of what's his. Now, let's remember, he's the creator. Everything belongs to him, the universe, the earth, us, everything we possess, everything belongs to him, but he only insists on 10% of our income. That means we get to hold on to the other 90%. He could insist that it all go to him, but he insists on 10%. Now, this is a serious matter. Malachi, the prophet, used strong language in talking about this. He quoted God saying, will a man rob God, yet you rob me? How, how do we do that? How do we rob you, God? In the matter of tithes and offerings, you are under a curse because you are robbing me, says the Lord. Bring the whole tithe into my storehouse, that there may be food in my house, Test me in this and see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Let me, let me encourage you. I know that talking about the Ten Commandments has been difficult because it's moved us from a standard that's normal to normative. And all of us have been living in the normal. All of us have been finding areas where we get our toes stepped on, where it's hard, it hurts to move to this standard. But don't set God's standard aside because it's hard or because it hurts. Set the normal standard aside because God is calling us to something greater keeping the eighth commandment. We've seen it involves acknowledging practices of dishonesty, and and certainly we've been able to acknowledge many of these today, but keeping the eighth commandment also involves committing to standards of honesty. You see, in a way, the opposite of stealing is honesty. Now, in the coming days, we're going to talk a lot more about honesty, but let's go back to our verse for today, Exodus chapter 20, verse 15, that says, you must not Steal. And so what does this have to do with being honest? Well, we recognize stealing is something that happens in the shadows. It's something that we tend to keep hidden. It's something that we don't want to be caught doing. And so we've got some ways that we can commit to a standard of honesty. Number one, we should refrain from stealing because we're being watched. We're being watched. I I used to live in a kind of a, a small, tight-knit community, and it would be awkward sometimes going to Walmart because every time you go to Walmart, you'd see somebody you knew from church. But you know, every now and then, you need to go up to the Walmart to buy some sensitive items. And uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. One time I had to go up and buy a pregnancy test for my wife and I. But I was a little nervous about going up to Walmart somebody seeing me at the Walmart carrying this pregnancy test 
saying, hey, Pastor Patrick, what you got there? And then all of a sudden, it becomes the scuttlebutt across the church. Oh, Pastor Patrick and his wife, Tambra, they're having another kid. They can't keep their hands off each other, right? It's a sensitive thing. I, I want a little bit of privacy, so I, I go up to Walmart at a late hour. I go up there wearing a hoodie, so nobody's going to recognize me. I go to the, the cashier with the shortest line, try to get in and out of there with my pregnancy test as quickly as I could. And, you know, that's how a lot of us live lives. We, we go around life wearing a hoodie, trying not to be seen, trying not to be disturbed, not because we're necessarily buying a sensitive item from the Walmart, but because we're doing something we don't want to get caught doing. You know, we tend to act a little bit different when we know we're being watched. We tend to act a little bit different when we know that we're being seen. And the message of Scripture is that you're always being watched. You're always being seen by the Lord our God. Uh, Scripture tells us that he is omnipresent. That means he's always there. It tells us that he's omniscient. That means he's all-knowing. There's nothing you can hide from the Lord. He already knows it. Now, Job tells us that God carefully watches the way people live. He sees everything they do. No darkness is thick enough to hide the wicked from his eyes. The thing about being watched by God is there's no disguise that can hide you. There's no time of day he won't see you. There's no place he won't find you. You can't sneak around God, so you have to change how you live. You have to change to being a person who doesn't mind getting caught by God in the light. You've got to live by so, like someone who is always being watched. We should refrain from stealing because we're being watched, but also because we have been warned. The Bible tells us there are consequences that go along with stealing and dishonesty. Dishonesty brings consequences. Paul tells the Galatians, do not be deceived. A man reaps what he sows. So if you're sowing dishonesty, if you're sowing stealing, then you're going to reap dishonesty from others. You're going to have what's yours stolen by others. Proverbs tells us dishonest money brings grief to the whole family. It also tells us wealth created by a lying tongue is a vanishing mist and a deadly trap. Dishonesty brings consequences, but dishonesty also damages our character. Proverbs says ill-gotten gain has no lasting value, but right living can save you. Now, I know a lot of you guys watching, you like to exercise, you like to work out, and really character is a lot like a muscle that we exercise and work out. When you exercise it, it can become stronger, and the same way you can transfer exercise to activity, you can transfer the exercise of character to the activities that demand further character from you. For example, you can take the exercise of doing squats and you can transfer that to the activity of climbing a lot of stairs. If you have season tickets in the nosebleed section, that's going to come in handy, right? If you're a fireman who's got to do these, these drills going up stairwells, it's going to come in handy. Now, the exercise of our character in practicing honesty is going to have a similar effect when we navigate trials and circumstances in life. You can transfer the exercise of honesty to the activity of having healthy relationships and living in peace. And it works the other way, too. When you're not exercising your character, you're weak, you're powerless, and it brings about unhealthy relationships, and it robs you of peace. Now, we, uh, 
We should refrain from stealing because we're being watched also because we've been warned. We should refrain from stealing also because we have a warranty. You know, it's a risk to be honest. You're stepping away from what's normal and natural to what's normative and supernatural. It's a, it's a risk, but it's a risk that comes with assurance. Think about the warranty on your car. If you've driven off the lot with a new car, generally there's a warranty that says if anything happens for the first 100,000 miles, we'll replace it, we'll fix it. You don't have to come out of pocket. And honesty comes with a similar warranty from the Lord as well. You can trust that when you're living an honest life that the Lord's going to provide for you. He's going to protect you. He's going to take care of you. And if some harm does come to you, it's going to be part of a greater good of God developing your character. Proverbs says, the Lord will not let the godly go hungry, but he refuses to satisfy the craving of the wicked. The temptation to dishonesty in many ways is the temptation to lack faith. It's saying that you trust more in your own ability to lie or steal your way out of a problem than God's ability to provide for you. Put off that old man, that old woman. Put on the new man, the new woman, the one walking with Christ. Put on that faith and walk in honesty, keeping the eighth commandment. It also involves taking actions to facilitate integrity. There's some choices we've got to make that are going to facilitate integrity. Some things that are required for living a lifestyle of honesty. Number one, living a lifestyle of honesty requires getting our priorities right. It's interesting to me that the Ten Commandments start off. The the number one commandment is Worship the Lord your God. The number two one is don't put any false idols ahead of them. I don't know how murder dropped down to number six. That seems pretty important, but it starts with honoring the Lord, worshiping him only, and putting nothing else ahead of him. And can I just tell you, you won't be able to practice a lifestyle of honesty if God is not at the forefront of it. There's going to be too many temptations, too many opportunities to tell a white lie, too many opportunities to steal in some subtle, sophisticated manner. It's got to start with putting God first. That's why Jesus said, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. Some of you guys, you're struggling with this because you're still first. You haven't put God first. You haven't put his kingdom first. You haven't decided it's better to be caught in a lie and come clean than to try to keep lying or stealing your way out of it. Put God first. Seek him first. Get your priorities right. Second thing we need to do to live a lifestyle of honesty is to choose to live by God's word. Now, there are a lot of people that want some, some, the presence of God in their life and the, the blessing of God in their life, but they don't want to do what God has already said is necessary to enjoy that. God's word gives us the pathway for enjoying God's presence and for enjoying his provision, his protection, his blessing. Paul said this, if you're a thief, stop stealing. Begin using your hands for honest work and then give generously to others in need. Listen, there may be some genuine repentance that needs to take place where you have to make a 180 degree U-turn. You've been going your way. You've been living by your own word, your own ways. You've got to repent. You've got to make that U-turn and go God's way. And the Bible says about repentance, when we repent, rivers of refreshing 
come in to satisfy us. Some of you, it's time for those rivers of refreshing to come in. It's time to turn away from the stealing. It's time to turn away from doing it your own way or doing it the world's way, the natural way, the normal way. It's time to turn to the Lord and do it his way by following his word. Living a lifestyle of honesty also requires making restitution when possible. The Bible tells this story in Luke chapter 19. It's the story of a man named Zacchaeus. Uh, Jesus enters the town of of Jericho, and the Bible says he made his way through the town. And in verse 2, there was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. Now, The tax collectors, they had a reputation for uh, charging excessive taxes to line their own pockets. They were known for being crooked and corrupt. In verse 3, we see that Zacchaeus tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was was too short. He was a little guy. He was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name, Zacchaeus. He said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. That's it's, it's puzzling. Of, of all the people there that Jesus wanted to spend time with, it was this corrupt tax collector, and, and he calls out to him. And I wonder what's going through Zacchaeus' mind when Jesus calls out. I wonder if Zacchaeus is thinking, oh, my, my goodness, my living room is full of the stuff I've stolen from other people. I'm going to have to clean up. The king of kings is coming over for dinner. Well, the Bible tells us in verse 6, Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. Zacchaeus thinks he's somebody. He's got Jesus coming to his house now, but the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. They're grumbling about Jesus. They're complaining about Jesus, but Zacchaeus was experiencing the transforming power of the Lord. And we read in verse 8 of this passage as the story continues, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus went through these steps. He, he got his priority right. He, he was focused on Jesus, looking to Jesus. He, got his pri- he, he chose to, to live by God's word. Jesus came to his house, and, and, and he was transformed by it. And here he's making restitution. Zacchaeus has experienced genuine repentance, and he's making restitution. Now, am I telling you that you've got to pay back four times anything, everything you've taken from people? I'm not saying that. That was, that was uh, what Zacchaeus was prompted to do by the Holy Spirit. However, it was a part of God's Old Testament law that when someone steals, they should pay restitution. And here's my challenge to you. If we can trust Jesus, if we can trust him to redeem our eternal souls, if we can trust him to save us from an eternity in hell, why shouldn't we trust him to help us right the people that we've wronged? He'll come through He'll be there. He'll provide for you. He'll protect you if you will take that step of faith. What I'm saying is is not that you have to pay up to four times what you've stolen. You have to seek the Lord in this and trust him when he challenges you to take a great step of faith, knowing that he's going to be there to walk with you, to carry you. If we trust him with our eternity, how much more ought we trust him with our temporary lives? Jesus actually responded in this matter. He said, salvation 
has come to this home today, for this man Zacchaeus has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. Now, we've talked about a lot in this message. We've talked about how we can live in honesty. We've talked about the subtle ways in, in which we steal and, and how confusing that can be from time to time. And, you know, there are lots of reasons that people steal. Sometimes it's because of greed. We just want more, more, more. Sometimes it's because of laziness. We don't want to do the, the hard work necessary for providential gain. Sometimes it's because of pride, we, we want these great things and believe we're better than we are. But these are all sins that Jesus came to forgive and eradicate from our lives. That's why the Bible says that Jesus himself said, The Son of Man came to seek and save those who were lost. I have a friend who was a contractor, a professional contractor. He did construction. And he was running his own business, but things were always tight. And he looked at some of the colleagues around him, and they were, they were doing much better than he was financially. They had newer and nicer trucks. They seemed to have much more margin. And, and so he talked with them about why they seemed to be doing so much better than he was. And they told him that they actually kept two sets of books. One set of books for the IRS to look at, and one set of books that had the actual records of how much money they had made. It was their way of holding on to more of their own money without paying it in taxes. They told him this was a standard practice, a normal practice in the industry. He had to make the decision between two standards. What's normal for the society, what's standard for the society, and what's normative from the Lord. So the choice between what the world said and what God said. So he decided to keep one set of books, one set of books that told the truth to the IRS and anyone else who wanted to look. And can I just tell you, the Lord blessed his business. His business grew. His business grew so much that he was actually able to hand off the running of it and become a pastor at our church. That's what the Lord can do. And can I just tell you, he can do more with your character than he can do with your lies. And so we want to offer ourselves to the Lord and be used for what's normative from him. I want to tell you, God's got two sets of books. One of these books, it's got the record of everything we've ever done, everything we've stolen, every lie we've told, every person we've cheated, every test we've cheated on. That's a big book when you think about it. But there's another book. It's called The Lamb's Book of Life. And in it are the names of all of those who have surrendered their lives to the Lord Jesus, who've made him their master. And the Bible tells us that that second book, that's the important one. Because when your name is in that Lamb's Book of Life, it means everything that's in the record of everything you've ever done, all is forgiven all is cleansed, all is made right, and you can walk in a relationship with the Lord. Now, I bet after a message like this, every toe has been stepped on at least once. Everyone's gotten a little bit mad at me, or it's hit a little bit close to home, but I want to encourage you. There's forgiveness and grace for everyone. Maybe you've been stealing in some kind of way. Maybe you've been stealing 
time from work. Maybe you've been cheating on your taxes, keeping two sets of books for your business. Whatever the case may be, maybe maybe you've been robbing God in the matter of tithes and offerings. Whatever the case, there is grace and forgiveness from the Lord when we come to him with repentance. And so I want to lead you in a prayer where we can repent to the Lord, where we can experience his grace and forgiveness, where we can commit ourselves to walking in honesty and truth. I want you to pray with me. Dear Lord Jesus, we admit that at times we've had dishonest gain. We've stolen, whether it's simple stealing, sophisticated stealing, or spiritual stealing. But Lord, we also know that Jesus went to the cross to forgive our sins. And so as we repent today and set ourselves under the lordship and authority of Jesus, we ask you to forgive our sins and cleanse us of unrighteousness. Help us to walk in honesty and integrity all the days of our lives and to honor you above all else. In Jesus' name, amen. If you were encouraged by today's message, make sure to rate us and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. Again, thanks for listening to the Celebration Church Podcast.